0: Scaling New Heights on the New Stack Makers is a new series that goes behind the scenes with engineering managers at the rapid growth companies that make modern life possible. Our guest host, Christine Hecker, CEO of Scaler, talks with engineering leadership at companies like Robinhood, Airbnb, and Nextdoor about the technical and human challenges their teams face at scale and how they survive the valley of despair tune in at thenewstack.io slash makers and subscribe to the Newstack Makers wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us today is Nico Fischbach, CTO of Forcepoint. Nico's also a member of Eng, the peer network of CTOs and VPEs from leading SaaS companies. Nico was hired into Forcepoint four years ago as CTO for cloud. The company had been selling on-prem solutions for decades, but didn't have experience with cloud and SaaS solutions. So his mandate was to create a successful strategy and offering and help ensure the company to, could execute in the market. He's here today to share some of that story. Nico, welcome to Scaling New Heights.
1: Thank you, Christine, thank you for having me. And, you know, well, yeah, so happy to be part of the Eng Group. So looking forward to this podcast with you.
0: So set the stage for us. You came into the company. How how were you thinking about the transition?
1: It's interesting, right? So let me set the scene a little bit. So Fourth Point is, is a cybersecurity company. And for a large chunk of my, you know, career, like 17 years, I was working for a telco. So I was on the on the buyer side and not on the vendor side. So that was that was kind of you know the first part of the journey. is like, you know, do I want to go to the dark side? You know, you know, cybersecurity was always Something I've been doing is probably since the uh, you know the early '90s. So it's like you know how do you make a hobby your job? That was the uh, you know one of the interesting pieces. And then look at the company. You know, Matt Moynihan, the CEO, reached out to me because we, we we go back a little bit. We walk together so through other boards. So it was interesting, and you know, it piqued my interest because it was one cybersecurity hot market, uh, not just network security, which is where I'm coming from, but also data protection, what people nowadays call user activity monitoring. So it was really interesting to know not just look at a single product, but maybe think of like, like you said, how do you build a SaaS platform going forward? So there was kind of a journey to it. So that really piqued my interest at some point. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy it. You know, I'm, I'm going to join Forcepoint and you know, trying to make an impact.
0: Right. And, and on Scaling New Heights, we often talk about that hero's journey. You know, you have a big call to quest, this big thing that you're trying to do for the company. And there's a process along the way. There's the valley of death and <laughs> um, and overcoming all of those obstacles and hurdles. For you guys, what was that transformational moment?
1: I think like like you said, you know, Force, Forcepoint or the companies that, that made Forcepoint, you know, were selling a lot of on-prem devices and components, the typical rack and stack approach. We had a cloud offering that was, you know, focusing on just cloud security. So the idea was like, how do you take that to the next level? And, you know, honestly, people, you know, in the early days of SaaS, we're just looking at product and engineering and say like, hey, you guys, build us a SaaS product and build us a SaaS platform, right? And I think that was that valley of death, like you called it, where, you know, at some point you try to build something, but the rest of the company looks like you and you're this bizarre team, try to build something completely different, right? And you know, at some point, I think the company management realized that we need to go beyond just looking at this through sort of the product and engineering lens, but actually change the whole company. So SaaS, a SaaS transformation, is not just like building a new product; it is actually taking the company on a journey. When you're not a you know a SaaS-born startup, to get there, and we had this project that we kicked off, which we called Phoenix, right? With and the name is you know speaks right, right? Like how do you create a second birth out of very strong assets, you know, a very strong product offering, but a different go-to market, a different way to build it. The convergence of all of that, a new stack, you know, a new technology stack, you know, and the whole thing from transforming this, taking the best of breed that we had in terms of security and data protection components, taking them to the cloud, but the whole journey from customer success, customer experience, onboarding, in-life management, but also the financial side, you know, what are the metrics you're looking at? You know, because the metrics in the SaaS world and, you know, how you do the billings, the entitlements, very different, right? So all of that, and I think that that pivotal moment was probably when we all kind of, as a company, rallied beyond, you know, what we used to call, you know, Project Phoenix.
0: Were there specific hurdles or challenges that, as you look back, were the most difficult for you and the team and the company?
1: I mean, there's the typical one that you will see, you know, reasons to change, right? Which is, you know, pretty common across the board, which is very natural. So how do you take people on board that journey? How do you convince them that this needs to happen, right? And I, I really want to have this conversation that it's, you know, beyond just technology. I think the other one is finding the right talent. You know, when we kicked this off, you know, in, in 2017, uh, late 16, 20, you know, early 2017, you know, th- that market is already hot. You know, how do you find that talent that on one hand side has the experience, but the, on the other hand side also is getting poached by the GAFans. right? So how do you play in that, right? And in this very hot, you know, market that, you know, we, we saw there. What else? I mean, the whole licensing go-to-market model, you know, in the SaaS world, the, uh, the product is core. You know, you start from the product and you build everything around the product. you know, from the whole journey from POCs to onboarding to in-life to how you market the product. I mean, you know, you, you start with Zoom, right? And, you know, the, the, I mean, the thing that we talk right now is like, how do you build the next Zoom of cybersecurity, right? That go-to-market, the freemium models, the, how is it called by uh, uh, Anderson Overwitz? I think it was kind of growth plus sales. Right, where you actually start, you know, a different way in sales and marketing. So it's really all of it. You know, how do you change the mindset in your sales organization? How do you change the sales place? I mean, it was all of that. I mean, and to me, it was fascinating, right? Because I came in, you know, I'm, I'm a network engineer by trade. You know, and I was like, I learned a lot in the process, so I actually enjoyed it. It was sometimes painful, you know, to go back to you know some of those dips. But wow, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was a, a journey of learning for me as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like. You were hired as CTO, but your role was much broader than that. Um, can you elaborate a little bit?
1: I say, yeah, I, say, I think it's true, right? The, when I was hired, the, uh, the role was kind of twofold. You know, One, the, the more kind of internal facing we just talked about. Uh, role, you know, like strategy, technology, working with engineering, coming up with the architecture, the platform, looking at the execution partnering with product management on building the offering and then, you know, expanding that into product marketing, the sales organizations and so on, obviously. The other one is the external facing side. You know, what people would call more the field type CTOs where you are more of a thought leader. You know, you represent the company, you uh, you push the boundaries, you, you're being, you know, perceived and received as somebody who knows where the industry is going. You know, clearly I think that that was an important one. And then the third piece or the third element to it is Actually, again, two for like the voice of the customer, so taking the voice of the customer back into the organization, into product management, into engineering, the leadership, and also being a trusted advisor to clients and prospects. And what I mean by trust advisor is not just the sales function of pitching something to somebody. It's actually sometimes, and I've been in meetings where I told the client or potential prospect in front of my sales colleagues that, and if you want to do this, maybe force points are the right solution for that part. Yes, but this is not core to what we do. And it's like, how do you maintain that trust over time? You know, as a CTO in the field, right? You know, you never pitch, you never oversell. You know, be be truthful. You know, be be proud of what you build, but be very truthful about what you build. I think is is important as well.
0: Yeah, very important. So, as you look back, what would you do differently?
1: I mean, there's there's, there's many many things, right? I think differently. One of them is speed of execution and velocity. You know, how do we get people on board quicker, both, you know, in terms of skills, uh, FTEs, but also onboarding the other teams, you know, and not requiring like a company-wide transformation program to have this kind of, you know, all hands on deck type approach to doing the, uh, the plan. So that's probably one. The other one that we kind of learned is the approach might have been too radical. You know, we came into this, you know, not just me, but also some of my peers in engineering and other groups in product management that there was an old and a new, right? You maintain the old, the cash cow, you move to a sustain mode. And the best way forward to build SaaS is you start Greenfield from the ground up with a complete new offering, you know? Experience has proven that you need best of both worlds. You know, there, there will always be like an old stadium and a new stadium. There might be a bridge plan, but it's much more subtle than that, right? So there's an old existing technology stack. You know, people look at it as like, oh, that's just technical debt. Well, but that's what's bringing the money in right now. And, you know, people put a lot of thinking into it. You know, people put a lot of brain power into building this, and it was successful. Like, you know, how do we replicate this? How we, you know, and we, we changed the approach from, you know, old versus new to best of old using new technologies. So you see more of a transition from old to new rather than something which is kind of more radical. And, and the good thing, I think, you know, overall, going back to strategy, I think we got kind of proven right. You know, this, we laid out this strategy, you know, late 16, early 17. And, uh, you know, this year or end of last year, I'm trying to recall now, the time flies, you know, Sazi you know, came out. So Gartner came out with Secure Access Service Edge and you look at it, you looked, we looked at this slide, just hang on. So it's basically all architecture, but he has the Gartner logo on it, right? And so, so like, you know, from what you said, this kind of peak and this and coming back out, I mean, that's kind of the recognition when you actually see that the strategy you laid out, the one you're executing against, you know, is exactly what Gartner is telling everybody, this is the world, is where the world is going, right? So I think that's probably more the, of the pro moment. And finally, then, you know, when the, the first new SaaS enabled products hit the market.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about your proudest moment, but maybe that was it. Is that what, what you would say kind of stands out for you as the highlight?
1: I think it is, right? I mean, we just, you know, had, you know, we had one, you know, come out, you know, late May, early June, you know, which was the first one, like a private access, you know, product, which was fully SaaS native. We just have a need, uh, one we call like more insider threat, risk adaptive data protection one come out um, actually two weeks ago. Right. And finally seeing this, like, baby making it out you know leveraging some of the new stuff also leveraging some of the old stuff helping to transition from for, from the, for the latter example from legacy DLP to actually risk adaptive DLP and helping clients you know leverage the assets I mean that's pretty cool I mean but yeah it's, it's, well, it's, it was a tough journey
0: yeah and you know you're in this case you're you're helping to transform a company, but also an industry. You're having broader impact, and that always feels great for those of oh, us. Oh,
1: it is totally. I mean, you, you could say like you're creating a new category. You know, you're trying to transform the uh, the way the uh, the world operates. I mean, the, and the other thing is, but again, you have to be true, so right? Because Sazi, I mean, every company out there, even if they have nothing to do with Sazi, they have kind of you know this Sazi stamp on the marketing right now. And it's like, how do you differentiate? How do you deliver like a, a true product? That is going to help companies. I mean, it's cool to sell, to ship a product and get it out the door. But at the end of the day, it's like when you see clients signing up for it and you see the, their eyes go, like, Oh, this is really cool. Wow, you know, this is what we needed. Like, this is going to help us. I mean, I think that's the real cool moment. You know, when you see clients adopting it and, you know, and have the clients do the marketing. I mean, you've been in marketing for a very long time, right? You know, <laughs> previously, like when, when the customer tells the story, it is so much better than when it's you, the vendor, telling the story.
0: All right. Well, let's switch to a quick lightning round so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Uh, what's your least favorite food? Now you're a huge foodie. I know this, but what is your least favorite food?
1: Least favorite? Wow. Um, it's the thing is, I eat you know virtually everything. Sometimes people say even dead or alive. Yeah, dead or alive doesn't make a <laughs> difference. My least favorite food. Wow, that's a good one. Um, What's, I don't know what the name is in, in English, but one of the kids there's stuff like salsify, some roots that, you know, we, we used to eat as a kid, you know, back home that grows in the garden, you know, that would probably be my least favorite food. But, you know, nowadays I would, I would eat it. So there's really not something I would say, like I really would not eat it.
0: Dogs or cats?
1: I used to have three dogs when I was a kid. Uh, Alex is pushing very hard right now that we get a dog. But, you know, we, we'll see.
0: Is there and a new by habit- the way, you
1: know, cats, the neighbor's cat spends more time at our place than back home. So the other day, I told my neighbor, you know, I'm going to start to charge him for it, you know, and uh, you know, maybe we should do adoption papers for the cat.
0: This is the longest lightning round that we've ever had. <laughs> 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 <You're funny. laughs> All right. So, is there a new habit that you hope everybody keeps after COVID?
1: Cooking. You know, I mean, I used to cook a lot. I think lately being home, you know, way too much, you know, I I spend way too much time cooking and uh, emptying and, you know, refilling my wine cellar. But, you know, this is probably one you need to keep. The other one that people should keep, I would say, because of the Zoom fatigue, go outside, you know, take those, you know, take the time out, you know, cancel some of those meetings, you know, when you don't have to be there, you know, and I've started to do this much more lately. It's like, just go outside, you know, take some t- downtime during the day because the days are crazy long, you know? So I'm actually looking forward for people to travel again. So I have less time on zoom.
0: Last question. What is the biggest or scariest thing you've ever personally scaled?
1: Scaled. or scaled. survived? What is it? What do you mean? You know, like
0: the, it, the scariest thing you've ever personally scaled like that, you know, go up or
1: over something Over something. I mean, surviving an avalanche, does that count? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking,
1: like, scale it. I really didn't scale it. I kind of survived it, right? So, yeah, no, backcountry back heli-skiing in Whistler, probably, I don't remember now, like, seven years ago. Being on top of an avalanche and having the whole thing move down and making it out of it and looking like a white Yeti, yeah, that that would probably be... a.
0: That new is one, so. that is very scary. Nobody on this show yet has scaled an avalanche before. So you win that one. <laughs> Nico, you know, it's been great to have you on Scaling New Heights. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Christine, and good luck with the podcasts. You know, I love the flow, I love the questions. So looking forward to listening to a few more.
0: Great. Thanks for listening to Scaling New Heights on the New Sack Makers. Tune in at the newstack.io/makers and subscribe to the Newstack Makers wherever you get your podcasts.